Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard. I'm the founder of Thriving on Purpose, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Tonight, Liz, we're we're uh, we're going to talk about something that's not very sexy. Uh, and what I mean by not sexy, it's we're going to talk about something that people take for granted. Uh, and so the title for tonight is the seven the seven traits of godly character and the subtitle is seeking holiness in a culture of anointing and the reason I, that we came up with this subject together this week was because we noticed we noticed trends we we like to give words that are not, that are uh, now words words mm -hmm. that impact people the right now in what Christianity is is going through what believers are going through right now, and I've noticed that um, I first first thing God is doing fantastic things these days. Uh, there there's a <laughs> there's like two things going on right now. Uh, God is really empowering His church, and the reason for that is very simple, because the enemy has amped up his attacks. God needs to empower His church to be able to face up to these attacks. And so we are uh, facing unprecedented anointings. And anointings are very particular. They're wonderful things. I mean, every believer, when we're born again, we are given gifts of the Holy Spirit. But uh, aside from that, we're also given special anointings. So within the gifts, there's different anointings. And these things are very powerful indeed. They're, the, they're basically what makes, uh, for example, a teaching gift uh, a certain way or another way. See, there's many different kinds of uh, teachers who have teaching gifts, but they all of them are teach very differently. You're going to have the some biblical teachers will teach uh, uh, verse by verse scriptures. They're they're very good at being expository preachers. Other teachers are very good in topical sermons. Other teachers teach only about the end times. Other teachers are very good uh, when they teach about family and marriage. So these are different types of anointings. And we live in a culture where anointing is is uh, is taking uh, such a big place in our lives in the body of Christ, and it's wonderful to see what God is doing because He's using these different anointings to bring the church to the next level. And the next level includes a lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of preparation, and a lot a lot of cleansing in the church to prepare us and to equip us to face up against the attacks of the evil one. Because the devil knows he has but a short time, because we're in the birth pangs right now, his attacks are unrelenting, uh, they're relentless, and he's unrelenting. And because of that, God is, is pouring on the anointing. And it's a wonderful thing. However, there is a but. I've noticed that a lot of believers in this season of, of great anointing, seem to be wanting and seeking and desiring anointings. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to take me out of context here. It's a really good thing to want more anointings, to, to, uh, to seek spiritual gifts, to seek the best spiritual gifts. All these things are fantastic. However, we need to make sure that we have the character that goes with the anointings. Uh, and and um, I think this is the point I'm getting at, is I want believers, I want people in the church to really seek holiness, 
seek godliness before they seek the anointing. See, the problem is we have so many scandals in the church today, so many um, preachers and teachers uh, making the news for all the wrong reasons. And what I mean by the wrong reasons, we got scandals as we've seen so many uh, preachers through, yeah. and teachers. Uh, through the through the years, it's been um, there's been quite a few for oftentimes similar things, you know. Um, but that's the thing is that the more anointed you are, the more that the Lord blesses you with anointings, um, different types of anointings. It makes you more powerful in God's kingdom. It also makes you way more attractive. Yes. To um, Op, the opposite sex uh, towards, you know, other, even the, 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 you know, the dark side, the dark, dark ones will um, be attracted to you. Some, sometimes it's because they're seeking salvation. Other times it's because, um, you know, they're there to meddle in your, in your thing, in your business, and they want to take you down and they're, they're going to go about it, you know, by befriending you and doing all kinds of tactics like that, but they're going to notice these this they're going to notice you more because of your anointing. Well, if you don't have the right character mm. to um, to stand uh, through that warfare, let's say, and to resist that temptation to, um, you know, there's so many things that can come against you. It's kind of hard to describe all of it at once. But, you know, basically you want to your character has to be strong enough for you to be able to see uh, the green light way before it appears. So, the red light, Liz, or the green light? So yeah, well, the yeah, the red light, I guess. <laughs> the red light, well, and I the, know, the red light, you know, the danger, 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 danger is approaching. Beep, 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 the and, red flags, um, yes. and when you don't have that that maturity and that uh, godly character, uh, you you tend to be more naive. You tend to, um, you know, maybe fall into temptation a lot faster. Um, and I know a lot of you are thinking, uh, and I know I used to think like this a long time ago too. Oh, well, I have a godly character. You know, I never do anything like out of character that God would like be really displeasing of. So, you know, I'm always like honest and I don't lie. And, you know, we're all thinking of like what we think God would be pleased with. But the, the character traits that we're going to talk about, the godly uh, character traits are somewhat different than what we know of. So I think that you're really going to be blessed by this teaching and it's really going to give you a good foundation um, and something to really think about, you know, and put yourself in check on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, like we're not giving you this teaching saying, oh, you know, we are super godly. Oh, no, we're, we're, we have we're, this we're all down on, packed. We're working you know? on these ourselves. I mean, these are, yeah. these are things that, that, that have to be part of who you are as a believer yeah. on a daily basis. And it's something that you always have to keep, like she says, uh, keep before you always uh, as reminders of, am I, am I like a checklist? Am I still this? Am I yeah. still being like this? Am I a little off the track here? And am this I, thing am I on track? Am I, am I, am I still following the, the path that God has for every believer? This is stuff for every believer. And uh, here's what I wrote. So I wrote, uh, basically I wrote that. Um, so we live in a culture in a Christian culture where anointing is, is really amazing right now. And a lot of people are, are seeking anointing rather than seeking holiness. And that's something that a preacher preached once in church, uh, not too long ago. And I loved it because he brought that as a, as a, as a red flag said, Hey, be careful there. If we seek anointing more than godliness or anointing more than holiness, we're going down a very dangerous path where the enemy, like she said, it can attract 
uh, attacks from the enemy that you're not they're, they're going to catch you sideways you're not going to see them coming at you but if we keep these seven traits of godly character in our lives as, as checkpoints things that that keep us in check it's going to help us to traverse pretty much any situation in our um, life as a believer and i wrote this i said uh, uh, in many ways we have become and I, and I don't want to. I don't want you to feel judged here, but I think it's true. In many ways, we have become like this wicked generation who seeks a sign. Remember, uh, Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, "If you if you are the Son of God, if you are, give us a sign. Like do do some do something flashy, do something amazing." And he said, "The wicked generation seeks a sign," and he rebuked them. Well, we're, sometimes we're like this. We want a sign. We want we want the the the, the, the zip, the zap, the pizzazz, the glitter, the, the fun stuff that that God does, and He's doing a lot of, of fun stuff these days. Also, but there's also some some judgment going on as well. So we're in a, an unprecedented uh, age in the church right now. It's fascinating. But here's what I wrote. I wrote: We have many ministry train wrecks and scandals for one simple reason. In many cases, ministers is and, and, and preachers and teachers and, and people in the ministry, in public ministry, their anointings are taking them up to places where their character, or should I say maybe their lack of character, cannot sustain them. Now, this is so important to understand because this is what we're getting at today. So we're going to, it's not a sexy teaching. It's not a teaching that people are going to be like, Oh yeah, this is interesting tonight. I'm going to stick around. This is I really want to hear this. No, that's the kind of stuff that maybe you're tired of hearing about, or maybe you've heard about it too much in the past, and you're kind of like looking for something more uh, newer, more more fun, more entertaining. And uh, but I feel that at this particular time, it is so important for believers to get back to these basics, the, this this holy walk with God, because. If we are in the birth banks, and I believe we are in the birth banks, okay, where we're just around the corner, I believe, of, of, of the end times and tribulation and all that, God is cleansing his church in a big way. And we need to keep ourselves in the mirror and look, am, am I walking according to his uh, statuses and precepts and, and commandments? And am I, am, I, am I following him closely? Am I walking a holy walk, a holy life? And the other thing is, I know that a lot of people, you know, kind of question, well, uh, you know, God wouldn't give me a certain anointing if I didn't have the right character to go with it. Yeah. And that oftentimes is true. But oftentimes when you're younger, sometimes the Lord will um, use that as um, a, a teaching, like a, a teaching boot camp that you need to go through. I've known a lot of people that have seeked for anointings uh, and they were you know, younger and they, they were really after that anointing and they really thought that that, that, you know, anointing, if they had that more of that, that would, you know, propel them in their ministry and it would make their ministry even better and this and that. And uh, they ended up, you know, losing, um, let's just say they ended up getting a demotion. God ended up taking them down from, uh, where they were placed, where their anointing brought them, because they just didn't have the character to stay there, to stay there, and, and to operate properly with that anointing. So that was a teaching lesson for yeah. them, and they had to work, go back, and you know, do a longer boot camp and work their character. And then, you know, oftentimes the Lord will use them again later on in life when they're a little more mature and um, seasoned and have that that godly character and have you know gone through the tests that need to 
that they need to go through to again re-promote them and then oftentimes yeah. the lord will you know promote them and keep them there and make them go higher and higher and, and i like so what that's what i've noticed i like what you're bringing up here because at the same time i mean when we're born again god through his holy spirit gives us spiritual gifts mm -hmm. right and uh, when, when that happens, we're basically, are we ready to operate in them? Well, most of the time, we, we, we're not. We, we have to learn to operate in those gifts, right? right? Well, it's the same thing with anointing. Sometimes God will give you an anointing uh, through different means, and you will get the anointing, but maybe you're not fully ready to handle the anointing properly. And there's a maturity process that needs to, to come with every single anointing. Sometimes we're ready for them, sometimes not so much. And uh, there's a clip I wanted to share with you guys uh, concerning that. And it's a clip from the movie Braveheart. And in that clip, uh, young William Wallace—he's—it's not—he's not played by William uh, by uh, Mel Gibson yet. Is it's a younger version of William Wallace. He's about thirteen years old, and he finds a sword, and he's very fascinated with the sword because he wants to become uh, a warrior. But he lives with his uncle at the time, and here's what happens. I'm going to share with you that clip. I I think it's very insightful about what we're saying tonight. First, learn to use this, and I'll teach you to use this. I think this clip really expresses what we're trying to teach you guys tonight, uh, that anointings, spiritual gifts, they're like swords. They're very powerful weapons for the kingdom of God. But if we don't have the maturity, they can be dangerous and detrimental to us and to the body of Christ. So they have to be used with this, with wisdom, with maturity, uh, with um, a lot of knowledge. So these things are very important. So we're gonna, uh, there, I took a lot of notes, Liz, tonight. And Liz, I showed her my pages and she, <laughs> she went like, oh my goodness, you, you wrote all these pages. And uh, I probably won't be able to go through all this stuff. I'm probably gonna uh, <laughs> skip some stuff. But um, geez, there's so many things I wanted to say tonight. I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about all that, but uh, wow. So get to the first character trait. The first character yes. right away, but there's so many good things I wanted to share. Um, <laughs> well, here's one thing I wanted to share. Okay, here's one thing I wanted to, to share. Uh, we we read in the scripture that in the end times there's going to be the antichrist coming, and in the, there's also a passage uh, that we're we're told. I think it's in First John or Second John. I'm not sure. I think it's First John. Uh, where we're told that, it lo you know, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, but behold, there's already many Antichrists working in the world right now today. And it, see, the, the word Antichrist, when I was young and even as I grew up as a Christian, I, I kept thinking, oh yeah, Antichrist, it's like a devil with horns and with a little forked tongue. And But you know, Antichrist in the Greek, the, the, the word itself means instead of Christ, instead of Christ. Not necessarily something that is overtly or 
obviously against Christ, like a devil, like a demon. So uh, it's going to be very subtle in some cases, what is antichrist and what is not. So it's, it's, sometimes it's going to be very much like the genuine article. There's going to be signs, there's going to be wonders, there's going to be prophecies, there's going to be healings even. So there's going to be a lot of things that could uh, basically confuse the body of Christ. And even in the end days, uh, concerning the end days, uh, Jesus said that, that there's going to be... Uh, signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So we're not talking about stuff that's obviously of the devil. We're talking about stuff that is going to look and smell and feel like the genuine article. And in uh, Matthew 7, verses 22 to 23, Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, so he's talking about the, uh, the, Latin, the final judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or iniquity in other versions. Basically, what these people will be saying to the Lord in this uh, last and final judgment will be, were we not anointed? Were we not anointed? And you will tell them, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, this is a powerful, strong word, but it's in our Bibles. And we know it's going to be. It's, it's, it's something that Jesus said is going to be. So the Lord is also still today asking the same question. When the Son of Man comes or comes again, Will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find faith on the earth? That's a rhetorical question. So Jesus is saying in the end days, a lot of people will have chosen the wide way, which leads to perdition. And very few will have chosen the narrow way, which leads to life. So, and it's interesting because in this passage where it says, will the son of man really find faith on the earth? I looked it up in the Greek, and there's a word that they didn't put there. It actually really says, will the Son of Man really find the faith on the earth? So the article, the, the word, the Greek word that would have put the article, the faith, the, is taken out of this. Uh, but I think it plays a very important part because there's a huge difference if, if, if Jesus says, will he find faith on the earth? As opposed to, will he find the faith on the earth? In other words, the correct faith, the mm -hmm. real faith, the true faith, yeah. as opposed to faith, which is more generalized. I mean, New Agers have faith. You know, Satanists have faith in their master. Right? Let's face it, right? So what do you face your, what do you place your faith in? That is so important. So all this to say, many are anointed in this day and age, but few are trustworthy. And that's what we're gonna show you tonight. What we wanna show you tonight is how to seek holiness above anointing. See, if you seek holiness, anointing will come. God will take care of that. You don't need to worry about that. It's gonna get done, don't worry about it. But that's the, the thing we should be concerned the most about, seeking to walk with him no matter what, seeking to be obedient, seeking to be holy, set apart. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think um, 
it's it's really interesting, you know, how, for example, if I use Benny Hinn as an example, you know, when Benny Hinn started his ministry, um, you know, there was a lot of healings and uh, he was very close to Catherine Kuhlman, uh, which is a, a general, a God, one of God's generals, if you want. Um, and, you know, he learned so much from her. And when you look at his past videos, you know, it was really, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything against him in the sense that, you know, I don't know where he is with God and, and all that, but I know there's been a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, um, bad talk about how he uses finances, especially you. Yeah. Especially and, in the use of and money. you know, and that happens a lot in the prophetic where, you know, where you become so big because of your anointing that yeah. it's very hard to stay in, into this godly walk where, and I'm not saying that, you know, having money is ungodly. I'm just saying, you know, how you use your money when, when, you know, people look at you on the outside world and think, you know, he could be doing this with his money and helping the poor. And, you know, he's doing this with his money. Uh, it's so extravagant. It really makes even the non-believers look at your godly character, you know. And so I'm using him as an example. But I mean, you know, there could be so many others out there that we know. And, you know, uh, I was having a conversation with my dad and he was saying, you know, I got saved by listening to a Benny Hinn um uh, yeah, that's, how he, that's how he got converted. When, yeah. when my mom brought him to a Benny Hinn meeting, it was like a, a breakfast meeting. And my dad was like, you know, the, uh, a non-believer. It was back um, in the 80s, Liz? Back, yeah, in, well, late 70s. Late 70s? And um, he, you know, he, he got saved at one of those meetings. And he was like a very strong smoker. Like he smoked two packs a day um and drank as well and um but he was a, a good man and my mom you know was dating him and she said you know it she she basically wanted to see if he would be open to the to getting to know god and see where that would lead and he just you know this is exactly what he needed and the holy spirit touched him and he, he took his packs of cigarettes he dumped them on the 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 area where Benny Hinn was and he did an altar call and ever since that day he didn't touch a cigarette he didn't even need to do a withdrawal nothing yeah it was a powerful, God just uh, powerful moment completely in his life. yeah God just completely um the the anointing that that was in that room just got rid of that uh, craving and you know and then he gave his life for for God and was thirsting to know more of God and um, and it was just a, a great story how that all unfolded. So today when people ask my dad, you know, how he got saved, well, sometimes he's kind of uncomfortable saying it, not because it was like it was a wonderful move of God, how it happened, but because of the because reputation of the con the controversy. now controversy. of the person. Yeah. And, and all the controversy, controversy now, years later, how, um, you know, his name was brought through the mud for all kinds of reasons. I don't know, you know, if some of it is wrong or some of it exactly. is true, but we, yeah. I do know that there's some things that are kind of hard to explain, but you know, that's just an example of where, you know, it kind of, it's, it's not a good thing. You know, in his case, he kind of doesn't you know, go out of his way to mention how it happened because he's kind of ashamed in a way, even if it was just a wonderful way that God used that man, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just to give you an example, you know, of how it's so important to, to be in check with our godly character because, you know, money is something that a lot of people 
uh, through time, you know, kind of slip through and it, it's hard to stay back and check where, where, how are you going to use that money? How are you going to steward it properly? And, you know, God will give you more if you have that godly character in general, you know, but in that case, well, you know, there's a lot of reasons why he made a lot of money and he used it a certain way and that, you know, he's going to answer to God for whatever it is, like every believer will. But it's just to give you an example, because I know a lot of people that are in the mm -hmm. prophetic are looking to make money with anointings and they're looking, we call them cash app profits, they, but yeah, cash app profits. But yeah. you know, a lot of them are, you know, there's a lot of men, good godly uh, men that are in ministry and now, you know, cash app and PayPal and also uh, is very popular. I'm not saying they're all like that. No, I'm and, just and saying there are just, men. And it's that also are, just a way to, uh, yeah. for some people in ministry to get uh, funds coming their way also in a, uh, I mean, we do it in church. We do there. So there's a, it's a way to get the funds coming their way. Nothing wrong with that, but some push for it in a, in a way that is really like, makes you scratch your head and go like, isn't that a little extreme and here? Some, yeah. And some use their anointing just to make money. And so that's dangerous. You yeah. know, if you're offering teaching and you're uh, speaking prophetically, you're offering teaching, you're giving sermons, um, you're giving food, to the body of Christ and you're using your anointing and you're asking them to support you. That's very different from saying, Hey, I'm going to give you a prophetic word and basically tell yeah, you whatever I've you seen, want to hear. It's funny. You're and saying Hey, that. here's my cash app. And you know, it's funny. You're saying that I saw an ad on Facebook and ad get your prophetic word. You're a pro uh, prophetic word from God in 24 hours. Click here. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what's the difference between that and divination? I mean, let's be honest. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 takes the, it takes the Holy Spirit through the mud. I mean, even if you're doing it through the Holy Spirit, there's something definitely wrong there. It, it's not the way to do it. Anyway, we're not going to extend on that too much. But uh, so all this to say that God is on a quest for character. God is on a quest for godly character, and he always has been. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. God anoints us, but he is pleased when believers pursue holiness above all things. So what is godly Christian character composed of? This is, this is. I feel like we're going back to basics. I feel like I did a video not too long ago about the fear of the Lord, and I'm, I, and at the same time, I feel like God is really telling me to teach these things because they're missing right now. There's so much, I, I call it Christian fluff. I don't know what to call it. Christian fluff or Christian glitter, or I don't know what to call it. It's it's all about the, the pizzazz and the, the excitement and the this and the that. Nothing wrong the with that, by the way, emotion. if it's a side thing. But it's basically, basically what I feel like the body of Christ is going through right now is that, you know, when you have kids, if your kids ask you for Skittles and M&Ms for a main course for supper, are you going to give it to them? No, it's just a little snack. It's like the icing on the cake kind of thing, right? It, once in a while. But I feel like the body of Christ is like this immature child always asking for cake and ice cream and M&Ms and Skittles and, and, and chocolate bars. And that's all we're seeking. We're not seeking the true nourishment. True nourishment is going to get, get us to the mature stature, stature of Christ right now. And it's so important. So we listed these seven essential traits of godly character. Number one, you can write that down. This is good notes to take. Number one, availability. Of, oh, and you're going to see, guys, these are not sexy words. You're like, that's not sexy. 
Well, exactly. That's I, I think that's the whole point. We're going back to like not being sexy anymore. Like we've been too sexy. So we're giving that, you a good that, foundation for those of you that just joined us. We're giving you a good foundation for godly character because it's really something that you're going to go back to. You're going to use as a blueprint this and so that important. if you keep these things in check, the Lord will bless you with more. And the anointing will more. come. And, and if you make these things a priority in your life, when the anointing comes, you'll be able to uh, handle the anointing. It's going to be like that sword, the clip with the sword thing. You're going to be ready to handle the sword. Okay. It won't be too big for you. You're going to know what to do with it. You're going to know how to use it, when to use it, how not to use it. You're going to know all these things. So number one, availability. In 1 Samuel 3, 4, young Samuel heard the Lord call. Remember that, that story? He hears it one, two, three times. And finally, uh, he goes to the priest and the priest tells him, look, next time just say, here I am when he calls. Okay. So then the Lord called Samuel and finally young Samuel said, here I am. You know, it's very simple. You know, um, God calls all of us. Once when, once we're uh, born again, he calls us before we're born again. He calls us to be born again. But once you're born again, once you're a citizen of the kingdom, he's going to have a call on your life. He's going to be in a, he's going to have an assignment on your life because all, all of a sudden you're a kingdom citizen. You're in his court. You're part of his kingdom. And he's going to have an assignment just for you, something that you were born to do and born again to do that he wants you to do that he's going to equip you to do. So very simple answer, here I am. And in Isaiah 6, 8, we, we know also that uh, vision that Isaiah had when he was before the throne of God and overwhelmed with what he was seeing and feeling like he was a man of unclean lips. And sometimes I I, I myself kind of uh, don't have the cleanest lips. And I, I will say, <laughs> Jokingly to Liz, I said, I'm just like the prophet Isaiah, Lizzie. I'm a man of unclean lips. And then she goes, <laughs> come on, take it more seriously. Uh, so Isaiah 6, 8, when, when he got the, finally the angel touched the, the lips with the coal, and then he was cleansed, his, leap, his lips were clean. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. See, before the angel touched his lips with the coal, he felt like, ooh, I'm dirty. I can't do this. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. Then he got purified. And then he was like, hey, hey I'm available. Take me, Lord. Pick me, pick me. I remember in the movie uh, Shrek, uh, the donkey, pick me, pick me, pick me. Well, that's what Isaiah was saying. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, it says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. That is still true today. We, I mean, in America and Canada, we feel like, oh, there's so many believers, so many ministries. Uh, Christianity is thriving. And yet, I remember hearing a, stati a statistics back when I was in Quebec that said that evangelical Christians in Quebec, and, and Quebec is maybe not the best example because it's, it's a really pagan land. Yeah. It's Babylon. It, 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 well, not I. I wouldn't. I don't want to no. compare it to Babylon, but it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's very. Uh, 
<laughs> a lot of people are atheists. A lot of people had a reaction to the Catholic Church over there, and and this it's a particular setting. But I remember hearing that statistic said that only two percent of uh, the population in Quebec were uh, born again believers. Two percent. That means ninety eight percent were not. Either they were atheists or New Agers or deists or uh, agnostics. You name it. So that that was a shocker to me. And I know in Canada and in the US, it's not as bad. But in the US, there's another problem. And a lot of people, everybody calls themselves Christians. They're all Christians. There's only problem, there's only one problem. It's that they're not. So <laughs> that's another type of problem. Everybody thinks they're already saved and they're not. So uh, anyway, uh, I don't know where I was going, <laughs> going with this. So yeah, Jesus was saying to his disciples, Pray that the Lord sends laborers because the harvest is so vast. There's so many people that need uh, to hear the gospel of the kingdom of God. So I wrote this. God never asks about our ability or our inability, just our availability. Mm -hmm. See, when you make yourself available to God, he will equip you in the with the right anointing, the right gifting, the right timing to uh, make you accomplish the mission that he wrote for you in the books that have your name on it in heaven. So everybody has a book written by the very hand of God in heaven that has your name on it. And there's there's a, um, his uh, his vision for your life in that book. And, uh, and we talked about that in the last episode uh, about the uh, wrestling with your prophetic word, right? Warring with your word, warring with your prophetic yeah. word and we talked about that so there's a, a a book with your name on it in heaven where god wrote his dreams for your life what he wants you the specific assignment and purpose that he has for you in that very book and so when you make yourself available you're basically saying you know what i want to live out that book that you wrote uh, with my name on it in heaven yeah, and I just want to add something to this. You know, a lot of people have gotten uh, prophetic words or uh, or it's maybe just something that, you know, the Lord has, has spoken to your heart, maybe sent you different confirmations saying that he wants you to go in a certain direction. And you're saying to yourself, well, I have, you know, a nine to five job right now. Um, if he really wants me to do this, then he's just going to arrange for me to do this full time. And until then, I'm just going to like, do my own little thing and keep on praying and keep on listening to, to, to prophets are going to give me prophetic words and, and I'm going to keep on praying about it. And, and then you time passes and you realize nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And it's oftentimes because God wants us to be available, but it's also to, to show we're available. We have to make time for it. Mm. So it's not yeah. like, you know, it's not like God's going to get rid of your nine to five job and say, hey, here's a hundred thousand dollars. Now go and do this. It, God doesn't work that way. Mm. Um, he He also tests if you really want it. Are you really willing to do this? Is it like the kind of thing that you're going to start doing a, a, for a while and then it kind of gets hard and then you're going to just give up? Or are you going to be obedient and say, Lord, here, use me. I'm available. Yes. You know, I, I will make time for this because I know you want me to do this. And even if it's just a couple of hours a week, you know, um, I know somebody that did a full time job and she was super passionate about, you know, uh, offering teachings to people, kingdom teachings. And she did 
uh, a broadcast once a week, once a week. And, and she started like that and she still did her full-time job and she prepared her content for that week and did the promotion, did all the stuff that, you know, the, the website and the whole thing. And it's not like you always have to do all of that, but she decided to do it. And, you know, she, she, reaped a lot of rewards towards that. And, you know, doors open up when God sees that you're serious, you're making yourself available. He'll open doors. Mm -hmm. He'll, he'll reward you in that way. He'll, uh, you'll see more things unfold and, and, you know, thing, the, the path will start designing itself in a way where you're going to move, move in a, uh, in a better direction, you know? So it's all about basically saying, here I am, Lord, use me, Mm -hmm. use me, show me what you want me to do. And I'm available to you. I'm available to you. If you want me to go full-time, I'll go full-time. I'm here. Use me. Send me. Mm -hmm. Number two, humility. Humility. Another word that's not very sexy these days. Humility. (laughs) (laughs) Romans chapter, chapter 12, verse 3 says this. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, there's two things with this that I want to talk about, because in the entrepreneurial world, um, we'll oftentimes hear that we have to have confidence and we have to move in a certain direction. And, you know, if you don't have confidence and nobody's going to follow you and, um, you know, and a lot of people tend to um, get kind of puffy, you know, when they, they get that anointing, they become like, I know all things because I'm anointed and God gave me this. So, you know, it's easy we always to get have, puffed up. We yeah. always have to talk from a place of humility um, that we don't know everything, uh, that we're constantly learning, that God is constantly teaching us. We always have to stay in that frame of mind. And I think that the best teacher that ex- that showed us that uh, is John Maxwell. John yeah. Maxwell, um, was, maybe some of you guys know this or not, uh, we're John Maxwell team coaches. We've done the leadership trainings with John Maxwell. And um, that man has so much humility. I mean, he's reached the top of leadership. And when he speaks, he just has a lot of humility because he always says it. I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm always learning. He's a man of faith. He's constantly learning from God. He's constantly learning from people on leadership. And that's why he stays on the top of his game. So if you want to to not stay stale, if you want, then stop thinking you know it all and get into that frame of mind where you're always learning. There's always something God's going to teach you and it's, it's, it's okay. And so that kind of keeps you in that humility, you know. And I love what you're bringing up, Liz. Um, is it possible to have super great anointing and humility? And I believe it is. Uh, uh, I've seen it yeah, I've plenty seen of times. Tracy I've seen Cook. It, I've, uh, Tracy Cook. That's another one. John Maxwell, you, which you named. And there's plenty more we could name. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm a hockey fan. And uh, I grew up really, really being a fan of uh, the Colorado Avalanche, previously the Nordiques. And one of my favorite players, my favorite player, was Joe Sackick. And he was known throughout the league as a gentleman's gentleman and also as a very humble soul. I never seen Joe Sackick do uh, fiery declarations in the media or nothing. He was a guy, they they called him, they nicknamed him Quoteless Joe, the press. They (laughs) called him Quoteless Joe because 
he never made fire declarations. They would go see him after the greatest victory or the greatest, the most horrific defeat. He was always even keeled and always very humble. And despite his many accomplishments, and yet when he jumped in those skates and he went on the ice, he was most nights the best player out there. And yet he was always humble. And, and same thing with Rocket Richard. Rocket Richard back in the 50s, I mean, he, he was like lining up the red light, scoring goals like crazy. And uh, the man, every time he was uh, <laughs> put under the cameras, he was always like, well, I'm, I'm just a hockey player. So basically, I'm just doing what God, not what God called me to do, but I'm just doing what I, it, I, I feel I was gifting. born yeah. I was born to do. I remember Bobby Hall. Now, I'm not going to put Bobby Hall in the same category because he was not as humble as these other two hockey players. But I remember Bobby Hall saying something very significant when he said that uh, when he first started his career in Chicago and he really became good, he said that was flying down, zipping down the ice. And the crowds, when I would do that, they would get up on their feet. And he said, and then I would score a goal and they would scream and go crazy. And he says, at that moment, I knew that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And he felt like he was he was doing the very thing that was supposed to be. But I'm, I, I digress. I'm going to the purpose now. And I just want to stick with humility. I had some really good quotes I want to share with you guys about humility. I jotted those down because I think they're so powerful. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this about humility. He said, humility, and this spoke to me because I used to think like that. So I just, just check this out. <laughs> humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Mm -hmm. Oh, what? and I remember John Maxwell quoted that mm -hmm. because he was teaching, he was talking about humility. Adding value to others, yeah. It's not thinking less of yourself. See, in Christianity, oftentimes when we, we're going to, uh, that's an error we're going to make. We're going to start thinking, I need to be humble and think less of myself. I think a lesser, I, I, I see myself as having a lesser value. But that is not true humility. True humility is thinking less, um, is thinking of, of yourself. yourself less and, and of others more. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. Well, that's one I wrote. You can you can tweet that. I wrote that. For the believer, humility is the cornerstone of identity. I believe that humility is such an important part of the believer's life that your identity has to be built around it, but the right kind of humility. Not, not humility of thinking of yourself less, but thinking less of uh, thinking of yourself. <laughs> I'm confused again. But anyway, uh, not, not, not the, that the woe is me not mentality. The, oh, I'm so crappy kind of a humility, <laughs> but more the humility of I'm thinking about others. I'm thinking yeah. about adding value to others. And if, this, if there's anyone who taught us that is John Maxwell. You still have to understand your worth as a, a kingdom citizen. Amen. That, you know, you don't want to think of yourself like, uh, like you said, you know, in that way, in a what was me mentality, because you have to remember God thought you were worth something. He died on the cross for you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Good point. And here's where I'm going with this. When I say that it's the cornerstone of your identity, St. Augustine, here's what he said. If you should ask me, what are the ways of God? I would tell you that the first is humility. The second is humility. And the third is humility. Not that there are no other precepts to give, but if humility does not precede all that we do, 
our efforts are fruitless. St. Augustine said that. And I think that's that's what I mean by it. it's the cornerstone of your identity. Uh, a believer who's not humble is not going to bear good fruit. It, it just doesn't go together. But as soon as a, a believer is humble, he is, is made uh, ready to bear good fruit. It's, it's, the, it's the starting point to bear good fruit. Yeah. Which brings us to number three. And it's kind of it kind of goes hand in hand with humility. Servant leadership. Servant leadership. I remember when I heard the term the first time, I was like, isn't that a contradiction in terms? Servant leadership? Yeah, just before you start that, sure. there's something that popped in my head um, that the Holy Spirit showed me is that Go ahead. Um, um, I learned this also from Tracy Cook, which is a, a very well-known prophet. And he always says that the Lord really wants to use vessels and he wants them to give him the glory. Amen. And when you don't have the humble heart, then it's very easy for you to use your anointing and to say, well, you know, um, let's say someone gets healed and say, oh, well, I, I'm glad I prayed for you. And, you know, uh, you got healed and and they're like, oh, wow, what an amazing anointing you have. And they're like, oh, thank you. Thank you. But, you know, that is putting that is taking the anointing God gave you as if it's yours, as if it's it's still his gift. It's still his gift. It's still that his you're, gift. Yeah. That you're um, using that he, that he's let's say lending or giving you to use through you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's still from him. He can, you know, tomorrow morning decide he removes it. There are people that have lost their anointings because their character. Uh, you know, went downhill and yeah, God, God just removed remove, it. God can so, remove anointings, absolutely. So, so that I think is a really good example when we think of us as vessels, and if we stay in that humble mindset where we're always giving back the glory to mm -hmm. God, we're always telling everyone that you know He's using us, and it's through His power, through His uh, anointing, through His healing power that they got healed, or through you know always giving it back to Jesus. Uh, giving him back the glory yeah. that keeps us humble as well. Amen. So I just want to say I'm that. glad you brought that up. That's good. Number three. So servant leadership. And I remember when I heard that term the first time, I thought it was kind of a contradiction in terms of like, how can you be a servant and a leader at the same time? Uh, Jesus. And yet Jesus called us to exemplify as believers, as kingdom citizens, to exemplify servant leadership. And I love this story in Mark uh, chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. And I'm going to read that story because I think it's so powerful. I don't even, I barely need to add anything to that. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Because they'd heard Jesus say, I will do for you whatever you ask. <laughs> they were kind of misappropriating it because that was supposed to happen after he died and rose again. But anyway, so they, they, they come to him and say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, look at the humility of Jesus, speaking of humility. What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. So after, after you've rose again, risen again, after you, 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 you come in your kingdom, basically. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Speaking of the way he was going to die and you know mm. to be martyrs, he was basically asking, are you willing to die for, for your faith? They said to him, we are able. 
So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten, the ten other apostles, heard it, they began to be to be greatly displeased with James and John. I think, and it's funny here, I just want to add this. When I read this, I smiled because like, yeah, they were displeased because they wished they had thought of asking Jesus that. <laughs> but they were displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself. So he called all the 12, says, okay, look, guys, let's have a little meeting here. <laughs> and... Uh, so he called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires, and I like the, the fact that he said desires, listen to this, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think this is, and it's the corner, like the, the, the most complete thing you will ever read about servant leadership. I remember years ago, I had a, a friend who was getting married and I was like, oh, what am I going to add? What am I going to buy them as a, as a gift? And I had a great idea. Uh, I, I found online a beautiful little uh, figurine statue of, uh, it was really nice. It was a statue of Jesus washing the feet of Simon Peter. And uh, there was a part of that verse uh, right there about the servant leadership thing. And I gave them, I, I wrote a nice card and I gave it to them on their wedding day. And I said, guys, if you want a successful marriage, this is what you have to do. You have to decide in your own heart, in your own mind and soul that you will serve the other above yourself. You will be the person who washes the feet of the other. And if you both make that decision in your heart, you will have the most beautiful marriage. And I still believe that. I've tried as much as possible. I Sometimes I failed, but I've tried as much as possible on a daily basis to do this with Elizabeth. So you have to be in that mindset of, I'm, I'm a servant here mm -hmm. uh, to, to have a good marriage, but also to have a good ministry, also to have a good life, uh, also to have a good uh, mandate when you take your assignment and run with it to, to do well to be told at the end when you show yourself before Jesus Christ, well done, good and faithful servant, because this is what we are. We are servants of the king. We are his sons. We're his daughters. And that's a wonderful thing. But we're we're servant sons. We're servant sons. And we, ne we must never forget that. Yeah. And um, as strange as it, it may sound, there's a lot of uh, pastors out there that are pastors of big name churches that lose that perspective when they start getting famous or when they start um, getting more popular or, you know, when their anointing brings them to a level where others in the church uh, that are working with them on their team don't have that same level of anointing. Um, it's, it's easy to get uh, sidetracked with that and not, uh, stay in that level of I will serve, even if the Lord has blessed me with all of this, 
Um, it doesn't mean that I'm better than everybody else. It means that God is using me for this purpose and he's giving me these anointings for this purpose. But I still um, am supposed to use a lot of that to bless others around me. And, you know, that's that's one of the things that John Maxwell is known for, adding value to others. And uh, he teaches that in his corporations and most of his trainings. And they're all all of them are biblical principles that he he has uh, put into leadership in his books. And he teaches that to corporations in a, in a leadership style that's secular, but it's still the same, the, the basic principle. The principles are good. And, good and for that. It, it goes and exactly. And that's how you build successful companies. That's how you build successful teams is uh, applying servant leadership. And it's so crucial in the church that leaders uh, stand together, no matter what their position is and serve each other and show that example. And even as parents, you know, um, our kids see that, you know, they see us do that with each other. They see us do that with others. And it gives them that example that it's just normal to serve others, that it's not because, you know, he's daddy, that he's not going to do that for mommy or, you know, that it's not because in their minds, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't need to do that because he's like the king of the house. <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> you know? they say that. And sometimes sometimes like, that is the king. He doesn't need uh, and, your your permission. Sometimes, I, and I, I I hate when they do that, but they're they're going to say that that to their mom. You know, he doesn't need your your permission. And and yet I'm going to be like, yeah, but when it comes to that particular aspect of running a house, mommy's the queen. That's her her thing, and daddy <laughs> daddy kind of submits to her in that in that thing i don't know if it's, that area yeah i don't know <laughs> we have we each have our stuff or he'll, but there's yeah, stuff but that she does better than me and that's 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 it's part of her thing that she takes care of in the household and, yeah and, and there's other things you know that i'll do that i'll do extra and that he sees i just don't have time to do everything and he sees certain things that haven't gotten done he'll you know uh do those things uh, those acts of service and he doesn't need to like he could just let it pile up but he does it because he loves me and he shows that to the children. And it's a nice thing for them to see because then, you know, my son will try to please me and he'll do the, he'll mimic what he saw his father do. Yeah. And so that's really important to, to show that in the home servant leadership. Amen. And we've done a lot of teachings. If you want to go to thrivingonpurpose.com, uh, we have a lot of uh, free podcast episodes. Uh, you can put in the search bar servant leadership. We have a lot, a lot of teachings on leadership and on servant leadership and what that looks like in in all kinds of aspects we've done a lot of teachings Absolutely. on leadership it's a theme that always comes back because it's so important yeah. um, it, it's part of the christian life i mean it's just part of, of godly character it's part of the christian life so which brings us to number four patience patience in revelations 14 12 we read here is the patience of the saints here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So implied in this, in this passage, we see that patience for the believer means to keep the faith. You've probably heard that. Keep the faith. You know, in other words, be patient. You're, in, you're going through a trial right now. It's hard. Keep the faith. Mm -hmm. Be patient. Obey while waiting. Obey while waiting. That is hard. That can be hard, especially when you're a, a new believer or a young believer. It can be very demanding, very difficult. Uh, and, and I, you wanted to add something? Yeah, you know, and patience, um, you know, there's so many ways that God wants us to be patient. Sometimes it's patience into 
Um, you know, maybe you've been warring with a prophetic word. Maybe you've been, yeah. uh, you know, praying about a prophetic word about your purpose. And you know that God's going to open doors and you're wondering why it hasn't happened. It's difficult sometimes to be in a, in a, you know, in a, in a patience mode for a long time. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's just not about us. Sometimes it's about God's timing that he knows the best timing. He knows what he's organizing. Exactly. And sometimes what's on the other end is not ready. And it's a question of timing and it, it doesn't always have to do with where you're at. Right. He's sometimes in the background of your life, the, the stuff you don't see he's aligning everything mm -hmm. he has in, a perfect in such plan. a way, a perfect plan. And you're, it, and, and in the timeline, you're not there yet yeah. uh, for it to align perfectly and, and bless you in the way he wants it to bless you. And sometimes, you know, there's been a lot of times where, you know, we're eager to, to advance in a certain area and we know that the Lord wants us to do a certain thing. And, you know, we're we're trying to be patient, but we're wondering why things are so slowed down, you know, or um, there's all kinds of reasons. But sometimes it's your character. Sometimes yeah. your character is not at the level where it needs to be for him to open that door because you would just went last. You, you just went uh, stick around, you know, you wouldn't tough it. And, you know, there's been a lot of times where we look back at our lives and you know, look back at the last five years and said, well, you know, if God had opened that door or had done that certain thing at that time, I agree, you know, he knew best for me because I, I, I wouldn't have been able to handle um, the criticism or, uh, you know, the, you know, maybe it's the, the kind of role, like I wasn't mature enough to be able to, to do this kind of teaching or to, to think this kind of way, you know? And, and speaking of which uh, mature enough, I remember having a fight with my mom. Uh, I, I still remember it like it's yesterday. I was about 23 years old and I really, I wanted to get married. I wanted to find a wife. And I was ready. I had read the books on how to be a husband and, and on books on <laughs> marriage and, and, and all the scriptures. I memorized Ephesians 5 and my role in, as a husband to, 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 to protect and care for my wife and to love her like Christ loved the church. And I was ready. I was ready. And my mom looked at me straight in the eye. She said, you're not ready. I blew up. <laughs> I was so angry. But you know what? I was not ready. I just was not ready. And I met Elizabeth, and I and I <laughs> I have the track record to prove it that I wasn't ready. But when I met Elizabeth, I was 27. Four years had passed. I had had gone through some stuff, the stuff that I wasn't ready, that kind of proved I wasn't ready. But now I was more seasoned and I and then I was ready. I was ready at, at 27. And I, and I still had stuff, lots to learn, but I was ready at least to, 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 to start a, a serious relationship, relationship that was going to lead to marriage, although I still had a lot to learn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want, you know, those advancements, you know, in their ministry and in um, their purpose. And sometimes, you know, what God's prepared you for, um, you have to have that certain character to to withstand the heat that it's going to bring. Sometimes you think, well, you know, God wants me to do a certain thing and I can handle that. And I know I can do this and I can pull this off and this and that. And you're super confident, but you don't know exactly where he wants you and what door he's going to open. And, you know, maybe that kind of lane is going to get criticized or maybe um, it's going to go against the grain or maybe, 
um, you know, there's a certain thing that he wants you to do that's kind of um, different. People aren't used to it. Like there's so many reasons that God sometimes will want us to be patient, uh, to build our character, to be ready for that season. You know, <clears throat> the world was reminded by the story of Joseph. Exactly. You know, like when he was, you know, anointed and speaking the prophetic dreams to his brothers and they just wanted to shut him up and they couldn't handle what he was saying because he was anointed he, with the gift of dreams yeah but he wasn't ready he wasn't ready to, to give wield it, it properly mm -hmm. there was a maturity there the way he presented it to his brothers there was yeah. there was some some uh, naive arrogance uh, they hated him for for a reason i mean it just wasn't done tastefully the way he just like shoved it all in their faces that they were gonna worship him and all and that. so if god had promoted him promoted him right away it, he wouldn't have been the same Joseph. He no. wouldn't have been able to uh, withstand much, you know. And um, we see that a lot, you know, with uh, fame and fortune in younger children, you know, in Hollywood, I'll give as an example, that, you know, end up screwing up their lives because they just had yeah. way too much, way too young. They couldn't handle it. They weren't able to live the process of maturing, building that character, building their values, mm -hmm. building a foundation, uh, you know, and in, in this case, building a relationship with the Lord, getting strong in your faith, and then saying, okay, you know, God use me, and then being able to to with to to handle the the pressures of success as well. Because when you grow your ministry and you know there's a lot more that comes, a lot more responsibility, then there's a lot more that comes with that. There's a lot more criticism, there's a lot more pressure, there's a lot more finance. Um, you know, finances that come at you. There's a lot more to stewardship. There's so many more things that people don't see. So mm -hmm. you have to have the right character to, to deal, deal with, with all of that. With all of that. And speaking of patience, you mentioned Joseph. Of course, we, we know the story of Joseph. But there's also David. David waited for 13 years to be king. 13 years. That's a long time to wait. Yeah. It's a similar wait as Joseph. And Moses. Moses was 40 when he killed the Egyptian. And when he killed the Egyptian, he thought he was ready. He was prince in Egypt. He was like, he was going to deliver his people. Yeah. But guess what? He needed an extra 40 years to be seasoned and ready. <laughs> That's a long way. And at the end, he didn't even see the promised land. And at the end, he didn't even see the promised because land. Because yeah. there was a, a how would I put it? Anger issues. <laughs> anger issue with his character at yeah. the end. Yeah. Uh, and, John the Baptist lived in the wilderness in the Bible. It says he lived in the wilderness until he was revealed. So that was a while. I mean, he was revealed at a later age. Israel, we know the people of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. So they like the whole generation that had left Egypt. Didn't even that, see the promise. That them. whole generation needed to die out. Isn't that sad when you think about it? They needed to die out because they were not able to handle the next challenge in the promised land. Hmm. So God was going to use their their descendants, their children. They were going to. They weren't. In other words, they weren't as corrupt. You know, when you're taken out of. Uh, sometimes you're taken out of bad situations in your life, and you're scarred a certain way. And because you're scarred a certain way, you cannot do a ministry. For example, David. David was a man of war. He was a warrior. He was a man of war. He had done a lot of war. There was bloodshed. There was blood on his hands. And God said, because of that, I cannot appoint you to be the one who builds up the temple. So he, he chose his son Solomon to be the, the, the one who would bring about the, the building of the temple. 
mm. because of that. See, sometimes it, it, it's it, it is it is what it is, right? Let's <laughs> uh, and Jesus, Jesus, when he was twelve years old, we know the story. He he uh, he stayed behind in Jerusalem, teaching the the elders in the temple and the the, the scholars in the temple. And his parents went nuts looking for him for three days. He knew his purpose. Jesus knew exactly what he was supposed to do at 12. And see, back then, 12 years old, you you were uh, you just passed into manhood. You had passed into manhood. So, and Jesus knew, look, didn't you know I was supposed to be after my father's business? That was the reply he gave him at 12. That's pretty, wow. You're like, whoa, okay. Uh, but, <laughs> but it took another 18 years for him to actually begin that that real work of ministry so patience uh, i remember someone saying uh, patience is not just an ability to wait it's the way you wait it's the way you wait and i think that's where the character and the maturity show up see any child can wait but have you seen children wait when they really want something when they're when they're eager for something my goodness, they, they wait really badly, but they're still they're still <laughs> waiting, right? They're still they're doing they're still doing the job of waiting, but that's not patience, okay? No, and we tell them you're not being patient right now. Exactly. Nagging is not being patient. Nagging while waiting is not patience, okay? So it's not an ability to wait. Let's just get clear clear the air with that. Number five, integrity. Integrity, and I, I told you these words weren't sexy. <laughs> these are the these are the building blocks of holiness and Christian godly Christian Christian character. Integrity. Proverbs twenty one three says to do righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice is preferred by the Lord more than sacrifice. And I used to think a lot that integrity had pretty much everything to do with money and honesty, you know. But it's more than that. It's about motive. Why do you do what you do? You have to check yourself in your motive. Why do you do what you do? That's integrity. Mm -hmm. And we always, when we really analyze closely why we do what we do, I'll give you an example. Back in those days, again, back in those days when I was in my early 20s and looking for a bride and wanting to get married and all that, I had I had a ministry in my ch local church and I was called to preach once in a while. And there was a part of me. I loved to preach. I wanted to present the word of God to the people. I loved to see them get blessed by it. But there was a part of me. And I'm ashamed to say it, but it's true. That I was wishing, and that was immaturity, I was wishing to impress young ladies in the audience so that they would find me irresistible. <laughs> and it's true. I was, I, I'm just saying it like, like it is, you know. That was great immaturity. There was no integrity there. And 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 and, and I kind of I was kind of disgusted when the Lord showed me that I was like, and you still used me, Lord. He still used me. There were still people getting blessed. But the point is, he wanted Much to check. Much older ladies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the grannies came to thank me. <laughs> but he still wanted to, to check me. He wanted to check me. You know, the, the discipline of the Lord. The, the Lord disciplines us as his children. It's important. So he wanted to check me on that. Say, look, kid, I want to use you, but I want you to see your heart here, your mind, your heart. That's just not right. 
when you're you're gonna preach my word, you have to do it from a place of integrity. It's about pointing to me. It's and it's funny because we oftentimes when we we go before a broadcast, we pray, and and oftentimes not all every time, but oftentimes we're like, Lord, remind us that it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about you, Father. It's about pointing to you and to help to, your people to look to you. So it's not a, it's not just about money, how you deal money. See, I always thought integrity was like being being uh, faithful and just with your money dealings and all that. But there's so much more to it. It's staying in check with the right motives of why you're doing your ministry. Why, you know, why, why you're doing whatever you're doing, yeah. basically. Really, seriously. I mean, it's, a, it's always checking your motive. That's so important. And we, we do that a lot, too. You know, when we yeah. when we. Um, even like when we prepare content, you know, what we're going to decide to create a course with, what we're going to uh, give for free. We're always asking ourselves, you know, what would the Lord want us to do in this case? Yeah. Is, is, is this content that, that should be free? Is this yeah. content that we can charge for? You know, always checking our hearts in this. Mm -hmm. Second Corinthians 8.21 says this, for we are taking pains to do what is right. Not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. That is so important. Integrity comes from the Latin integer, integer or integer, which means whole. Not, not a whole, not a, not a whole, whole, like wholesome, whole. It is the opposite of double-minded. In James chapter 1, verse 8, we, we are told that the double-minded man, is unstable in all his ways. And see, that's what integrity does. Integrity keeps you whole. It prevents you from being double-minded. From that example I gave you earlier about when I was a younger uh, man and lacking maturity, preaching, being put in a position where maturity was required, and I didn't quite have that maturity going. Mm -hmm. and my, see, I was not showing great integrity there. So it's, it's, it's about being whole and not double-minded. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's the same in his resolve. But uh, we are to be, um, we are to be since, since we're in his image, and since we are his children, we are to also be the same as he is, to be whole, to be, um, uh, to be uh, wholesome in our resolve and in our uh, motives to do good. I remember I had a dream. I, I told you guys, those who've been listening to us, those who've been following us, I told you that guys that dream many times. I was in a field walking. I found a treasure came up from the ground, a beautiful chest. The chest opened and I saw light bursting from it. And as I, as I beheld that treasure, I heard a voice behind me. And the voice said, and it was the voice of God, said, are you all in? Are you all in? And, and, and see this dream... Um, I'm still getting revelation tidbits about it. See, one word from the Lord can give you so much revelation. And, and at the time, I remember uh, questioning why God was asking me if I was all in because I thought I was all in. But then I, re then I realized I was not all in. And then I realized later, uh, this week, while I was writing about integrity, wow, that it, there's even a, whole, a wholeness there. Are you all in? In other words, are you whole? Are you double-minded? Are you all in for my kingdom? Yes, all in, all in in effort, all in 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 your mind and heart, but also, you know, are are you whole in this? Are you double-minded? And so God showed me that this week, which brings us to number six. 
Discipline. Discipline. And Liz, uh, Liz loves that. She's the one who brought it up. I had another thing I wanted to bring up, but she said, no, you should. Discipline is more important. It's more complete. And I said, you know what? You're right. So I put discipline there. The word discipline is from the Latin disciplina. Instruction given, teaching, learning, knowledge. It is also object of instruction, knowledge, science, military discipline from discipulus, pupil, student, and follower. And interestingly, when you look at the etymology of the word discipline, we know that we get the word disciple from discipline. So when you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is a call to be disciplined. Yeah. Okay. And I, I want to say something about this. You know, in the entrepreneurial world, this is something that we learn really fast. Yeah. Um, that you're not going to have any success in anything that you apply your hands to unless you're disciplined. Yeah. That is like the ABC's foundation of entrepreneurship. And in the body of Christ, for some reason, um, <laughs> I don't know why. Be, 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 be good. Don't, 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 don't hurt them too much. <laughs> in the body of Christ, for some reason, discipline is something that is so not popular. Severely and, lacking. And <laughs> severely lacking. There's no teachings about it. Um, not very many anyway. And it's something that, you know, people are kind of going all crooked in all kinds of directions because they're not disciplined. And um, there's a lot of things that the Lord asks us in our character to be disciplined in our in ourselves, right? And I'm not saying that I'm perfect at any of this, but that is something that the Lord has constantly been bringing me back to, bringing me back to in all kinds of areas in my life where I wasn't disciplined enough. And, you know, this is not working because you're not disciplined in this area. And this is not working because you're not disciplined in this area. And every time I would kind of like, okay, go, okay, I have to figure this out. I have to find a way for there to be structure in this. Then my life would get easier and see a lot of people think the opposite. They're like, oh my gosh, discipline is so hard. It's so hard to be disciplined doing this, doing this for the Lord, doing that, being consistent at doing this and being disciplined and doing that. Well, the more you do it, the more you kind of train your flesh, if you want, to do it, right? And it's a constant battle of the flesh. Yes, it is. You're never going to feel like, whoa, this is amazing. I feel like doing this today. You know, I'm a homeschooler. I've learned how to do homeschool. This is the first year that we do it. And man, did it that was like a learning curve and being disciplined and correcting and, and, you know, getting up at a certain time to get the, this done at a certain time and, you know, uh, teach them. And I mean, there's so many different things that it taught me about discipline. And it's funny because, and I was pretty ago, disciplined already before in other areas. But it's funny because years ago I would talk to Elizabeth, would you consider like homeschooling? Maybe I was like, no way. She was like over my dead body kind of thing. You know, like this is never going to happen. Like not in this lifetime, dude, go find yourself another wife. That's what she told me. Yeah. And yet here we are. Yeah. And, and, but, but COVID I got to say, and... but I got to say she has been, she has been very disciplined and it's been, it hasn't been easy. It's been very challenging. And I love what you brought about crucifying the flesh. See, discipline, there's another meaning, and I wanted to interrupt, but this, this really struck me. In the old French, discipline, 
Discipline means physical punishment. <laughs> it Suff does feel like that. <laughs> suffering, martyrdom. <laughs> That's what it was in the uh, the etymol uh, etymology dictionary. I thought this was so interesting. Well, I it's actually about told the Lord. I said when you decided the flesh. Yes. when you basically like I really felt a strong, strong um, push from the Lord telling. Uh, this year was the year to homeschool our children. Yeah. And I just had to, you know, obey. And even if I didn't understand the whole thing of why, I just decided to be obedient. And I, after that, I kind of laughed. I was like, is this, was this kind of like a test to show me how to be sanctified and patient? Because wow. <laughs> yeah, this is tough. hard and yeah. discipline as well. It's like all three into one. Uh, homeschooling. So I kudos to all the moms yeah, out there absolutely. that are homeschooling and, for years, yeah. and dads that are implicated in this because it's really, really not easy. Sometimes we have three kids; they're yeah. all on three different levels. Three different levels, and it's very challenging. Uh, first grade, third grade, and fifth grade. So yeah. So as disciples, we're called to a life of discipline. It goes hand in hand. You cannot be a disciple of Christ and not be disciplined. Okay. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 to 27, everyone who competes in the game, see, Paul com uh, com compares Christianity, compares the walking with God as a um, uh, being an athlete. So he's talking about the Olympic Games back then, the Greek Games, who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So then we're talking about crucifying the flesh. <laughs> so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Mm -hmm. Now talk about discipline. And in Galatians 6, 9, which is a verse that we really cling to these days, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, the, in the discipline, there's an implication of not giving up, doing it, doing yeah. it constantly, constantly, constantly. And yeah, and, and like they say all the time, and it's true, anything that you apply yourself to for at least three months on a regular basis, like really, really consistent. Um, it's 20, 21 days is the magic number, by the way. 21 yeah. days. If you do something consistently for 21 days, usually it will have formed by then into a new habit. Exactly. And you're going to find that even if it's something that you normally wouldn't continue, you wouldn't want to continue, you're going to have found positive things about that uh, 21 days that you're going to probably keep on doing. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that's really important that we try to apply this as best as possible. You won't be perfect at it, but the more that you try to discipline yourself in little, in different areas that you're weaker at, the more I have seen personally, the more God will give you, the more responsibility, the more things that he will give you because you're uh, basically proving to him that you're able to handle it. Yeah. So if you're able to, and you know, show yourself faithful in smaller matters. He will give you greater responsibilities. Exactly. And you know, we look at all these, you know, big pastors and um, all these people, you know, in entrepreneurship that have gotten.
pretty far. Well, they are very, very disciplined people. And they didn't get there overnight. This happened gradually. And it's something that we have to get really good at. Because if you want the Lord to entrust with you more, then you have to show that you are disciplined and you're able to handle what he has already given you. Mm -hmm. Number seven, obedience. 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 Sounds basic, doesn't it? I mean, we're Christians. We're supposed to obey God. We're, we're kingdom <laughs> kingdom citizens. are supposed to obey their king, right? Well, obedience. And yet, and yet, it's not, not that simple. Easy. It's not that simple, is it? Uh, not always easy because sometimes the Lord asks us some certain things that are not so easy to do or maybe makes us look a little crazy. And, you know, then to other people around us that are yeah. in the flesh or non-saved. <laughs> or even even sometimes with other believers will look at you and think you're crazy. But, but most <laughs> of the time, most of the time it's going to be your, your unbelieving family, friends. They're going to look at you and be like, he's gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> but you do it anyway, right? It doesn't matter. Like Noah built the ark, even if everybody was laughing. He just yeah. kept building, kept building that ark. Why? Because he was being obedient no matter what. And uh, Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. Keep my commandments. In other words, prove to me you love me by being obedient. That's how important obedience is in the life of a Christian. Uh, I often use the parable of the two sons when I am asking my children to, uh, to do something for me. And I see that they're not very cooperative. And I've used that one on Jason so much that he knows it by heart now. <laughs> he sees me coming when I start teaching it. So Jesus said, uh, that's in, let me turn a little. Oh, I forgot to jot it down. Anyway, Jesus said, but what do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and he said, son, go today and work in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and he went. Then he came to the second son, and he said, likewise. And this one answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. So which of the two sons did the will of his father? And many of us, and this is the, this is the point this is getting, I'm getting to here. Many of us say yes to God. And it's funny because uh, the word amen means yes. <laughs> so be it. And it's funny because so many of us in church on Sunday, when the sermon is good, when the music is enthralling and things are going, we're all, amen, hallelujah. We say yes to God. But when the music stops on Monday, are we really obedient? Are we really doing what the Father asked? Or do we just say yes and then not do it? Are we? Which one of the sons are we? Are we the ones who... At first, like, eh, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. But you think better of it and you see, you know, you know like, oh, yeah, Lord, I do love you and I'm going to do it anyway. And you Or know, are we like the ones who are like, amen, hallelujah. And then when it's time to put up or shut up, we, we, we don't do it. Yeah. And, you know, I, when you start in Christianity, the basic things of being obedient is the basic Ten Commandments. It's a basic Christian walk. Uh, you know things that that um, that the Lord asks us to do, and that's that's these are things that you know 
um, what I call the ABCs of Christianity. But when you get into a deeper walk with the Lord, then he starts giving you things, assignments, different things that he wants you to do. Sometimes it's even, you know, just a certain message that he puts on your heart for a certain person and they're yes. not saved. And you have to tell them a certain thing and you're kind of like, oh boy, do I really have to, Lord? Like, <laughs> the, the Holy can't Spirit, you send somebody else, The please? Holy Spirit <laughs> is, uh, and I don't like using that word, but it's kind of true. He's going to nag you until you do it. But but not not a not an annoying nag, but just like it's just gonna keep bringing it back, and uh, and th that's the way it is, right? And you have to do it at some point. You have to, you know, hey God, you've been showing me this, uh, and I I gotta do it. I just yeah. it's uncomfortable. And sometimes I'm you not don't sure see, how this is gonna go. Yeah, and sometimes you don't do see the picture, right? No. Why? God wants you to do a certain thing, or you're like, oh, you're like, okay, you want me to do this thing, but this is never going to work. Like in your mind, you're like, this is a waste of time because they'll never listen, or you just think you have it all figured out, right? Yeah. But you don't know what God's been doing in the person's heart. Like I'm just using that example because I mentioned it earlier. You don't know if God's been preparing that person's heart. And then, you know, you planted that seed that you thought gave nothing six months ago. And he's been working their hard. And then all of a sudden he's like, I want you to do this thing. Go do it. And then the person breaks down and cries. And then, you know, I've been, praying the for Lord. This. I've been praying for this. And you're like, whoa, what happened? Yeah, right? exactly. So that's just an example. You know, if the Lord asks you to speak to a certain person, and there's so, so many other ways that God asks us to be obedient. And sometimes it's a test. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's he's preparing you for your next promotion. But we don't always know it. But he's testing us. And when we actually obey on that thing that he put before us. Yeah. And we do it. Not questioning it. Not questioning the sanity of it. Because sometimes <laughs> God will ask you to do stuff that you're like, what are other people going to think? Do it anyway. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, promotion comes up uh, and, and a big blessing and favor. And, and, and you're surprised and you're like praising God. And it's amazing. But it was because of that thing that you did that he asked you to do. Yeah. And that was the linchpin for your next promotion. And oftentimes I've noticed also when the Lord will give me an assignment, um, you know, and it's very clear and I hear the Lord like so, so clearly and I know it's him. If I'm not obedient, then it's kind of like our, the, not that the relationship, it's not that he's not in communication, but it's like all of a sudden I just, don't hear him as well in, in everything else. Mm. And it's like, I have to be obedient because if I want to keep that clear oh, communication, yeah. um, it, it keeps the ball rolling. If you want, Amen, it keeps that yeah. the, you know, the, the clear communication. It's called like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It keeps that, that, uh, the reception, it's like an antenna, right? Yeah. You're, so when you're obedient, you're adjusting the antenna and you're getting that perfect reception. But when you don't do it, it's, it, it's, it, <laughs> and it's always coming back like the, the same thing is coming back until you do it. <laughs> and then, and yeah, then, that's that true. It keeps on coming back. You're like, and I keep hearing that. I keep hearing that word. I don't know what it means. No, yes, you do know what it means. Do it. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you know we're busy, right? We're, um, you know, we're we're parents, right? And we're busy, and so many things are happening, right? And sometimes we both say to each other, "Okay, the Lord." told me this and he's like, okay, the Lord told me that, okay, we got to do this. And then something happens and then and you, you, it, and you then, put it on the back burner. And then we're like, 
why didn't we do that thing? It yeah. came back to me. I was in the shower and it came back to me. And it, <laughs> okay, you know? hey, hey, right, like, like, okay, now we have to leave. We have this <laughs> to do. So uh, we'll do it tomorrow. Let's write a note. Sometimes I do that. I write a note. Boom, put it there. But we're putting it off again. You know, we're always like trying to find a way out or like, oh, the flesh. So, the flesh, yeah, the flesh. so we, we've learned that, you know, we have to do it now, do it now, do now. Do it now, do it now, do it now. Exactly. <laughs> and right it's away. funny. That's another thing John Maxwell taught us. He said he told that story that one day he went to a um, motivational speaker and, and the guy was saying, if you want to have a sense of urgency and make sure you accomplish so much in your day, get up every morning and before you get out of bed, repeat 50 times. Out loud, do it now, do it now, do it now. He says, you'll be amazed at the things that pop into your head as you say, do it now. <laughs> the things you know you have to do it now. He yeah. says, you're going to accomplish. You're going to have a lot more done in that day. Uh, so I wrote, uh, what did I write? Good good stuff. I didn't have time to share all of it. And it's already going on an hour and, uh, and a half. Uh, sometimes we are not willing to simply be obedient because we call it being legalistic. That's another thing that uh, I wrote that is interesting. You uh, should just recap. I'm just going to recap. For those hey, that, that are joining later. Yeah, for this, those that are joining, you guys got to listen to this teaching. It's really, really good. But let's just review the seven traits of godly character, what we went through in this teaching. Number one, availability. Number two, humility. Number three, servant leadership. Number four, patience. Number five, integrity. Number six, discipline and number seven obedience and all these put together are very it's very simply put it's a call to holiness god is doing major things right now we are in a, such an important place in history in church history in world history you name it we are part of this uh, group of believers that is running we've been given this baton and it's our turn to run the race now and we are in an exciting race. We are living in, in, in incredible times, challenging times for sure. Mm -hmm. But because these times are, are so challenging, God is calling us to a level of holiness that probably, I, I mean, I know in my own life, in my personal life, I've really had to take an inventory and, and go through some stuff and be like, you know what? I, I, I'm not cutting it. I feel I'm not cutting it. I feel God is asking me to get rid of this and rid of that and then do this more or do this less yeah. or do change this and change that habit. And like a, a whole inventory of the way I live my life. And see, uh, when we're in, in peaceful times, when we're in, in, in more calm waters, we live a certain way and we think we're godly. But when the storm uh, raises up and the waves get higher and you need to adjust the sail that you're realizing you're not much of a sailor and you need to really uh, tighten up in those uh, the way to do this the mm -hmm. way to do this and there's a way to do this what we call uh, walking with God there's a way to do this he tells us in his word it's written all over the bible uh, and we, we can find all these seven uh, traits of godly character all throughout the bible but you know, we've been we've been privileged. I mean, we've been privileged living in the Western world and Western society where we have access to all kinds of good stuff. But now we're we're on the crux of losing a lot of those good uh, rights and privileges and and, and um, advantages that our modern way of life had given us, and we're realizing that whoa, there we're. We need to adjust the sale now. I need. I mean, I need to change some things right now. 
in my life. And I know it's the same for you. And I know it's the same, uh, the same for Liz and, and all the believers I've been speaking to who are in love with God, who are in love with his word. They all say the same thing. We, we, we are called to a, a, a degree of holiness unprecedented because if God is going to use us mightily, we need to be sold out to him. We need to crucify our flesh, to carry our cross, follow him, and not look back. And this is, 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 um, we're, we're, this is the call of Christ. I mean, yeah. when, when, a, uh, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him, come and die. Mm -hmm. Die to yourself. Follow me. Follow me. Carry your cross and follow me. And this is where we're at right now. We, have to, we, have, we each have our own cross to carry. But now we're at the point where we need to pick that cross up because we weren't, um, we were kind of neglectful. You know, when you live in, a, in an advantageous society where you have all kinds of privileges and you take it for granted, uh, you don't live, um, you don't crucify the flesh as much as you should. Mm -hmm. But when we are living in times where the warfare is amped up and the enemy attacks are amped up and everything becomes harder, now all of a sudden, we are like, whoa, was I even living the Christian life? I, I mean, I know I was living the Christian life, but was I really living the Christian life? You know what I'm saying? I think you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So now we have to really, really deny ourselves, deny ourselves and be all in for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I really mean it. I mean, here in Canada, I, just, I was just looking at the news today before this broadcast. And I learned that in Ontario, they're now going to require a health card that is a proof of vaccination. And I've been saying it for months. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 is basically certificate of vaccination ID. That's what COVID means. Mm -hmm. Certificate of vaccination ID. Now they're making it, uh, they're, they're, they're thinking of, they're talking about making it a reality in Ontario. Where are you going to have a card in your wallet? That's going to prove that you were vaccinated. So when you go shopping, when you go to find a job, when you, it's going to quote unquote open doors for you. Mm -hmm. Now think about the type of world we're going into. Uh, there's a lot of things that we're going to be called to, to decide for the sake of following Jesus, for of following our convictions, following uh, being all in for the kingdom of God. Yeah. That might become increasingly hard. And I pray, and if you're out there and you're an American, uh, or Canadian, pray for our government mm. that it be cleansed from all unrighteousness, that it be stripped, that the people that are in power that have evil intent be taken down and replaced with people who are going to give just laws. But I pray especially for the population that their eyes be opened, that the scales fall off of their eyes, and that they finally uh, band together and, and see the importance of uh of fighting for our human rights i mean right. this is it's, this is where it's gotten I, i'm kind of going on a tangent here but uh, this is what it is it is what it is and it's scary it's there's sometimes when i keep my eye when i take my there was a friend i was talking with on facebook this week and he's a believer he's, he's in quebec where the restrictions are even harder to live with he's in a red zone and he's asking me he says are uh, are you scared when, when you look at what's coming in 2021, are you scared? I said, you know what? Only when I take my eyes off of him, mm -hmm. speaking of Jesus Christ, when I take my eyes off the Lord, I get scared like everybody else, but I need to keep my eyes on him. 
because there's there we're living in, in very difficult times let's be honest and uh if i keep my eyes on him and i keep leaning in to the leading of the holy ghost i'm going to know what to do how to do it i'm going to be yeah. filled with his empowerment not my own uh power not my own strength but his and i'm going to be able to get through it but if i don't i'm just like an ordinary guy i mean seriously exactly we always have to be thinking on what what the lord is doing even if we don't always see it right it's not broadcasted on the news he's always working on our behalf he's always working in 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 our midst for our good but we have to be praying to put these things um forward so that the lord does clean out the swamp in our governments yeah. uh you know redoes the whole justice system um you know gets rid of the the moles in the white house and all these things happen because there's a lot at stake here right now. Yeah. Amen to that. And I'm just going to leave you with this verse from Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Mm -hmm. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it and i believe that the the seven um the seven um uh, traits we gave for living a life of holiness of godly character basically they are summed up with that passage right there it's called taking up your cross mm -hmm. and following the lord with everything you've got every ounce of courage every yeah. ounce of dedication every ounce of love for the lord that's what it's called and thank you for the thanks for joining us, the new people that uh, are on our broadcast yes. today. Uh, we we love to have you on and go back and listen to the beginning of the broadcast. You're going to be truly blessed with this teaching. And, you know, these are our traits, character traits um, that we always have to put ourselves back into check, you know, always kind of use it as a foundation to know where we're at so that we can always walk in the way that we know is pleasing to the to the lord and um be a, a fruitful vessel for him amen so if you uh, are new to our broadcast you can go check us out here at thrivingonpurpose.com um you know we have a, a youtube channel there's top nuggets there's uh little videos there five minutes we also have all our other teachings um on our youtube channel we also have thrivingonpurpose.com where we have all our free podcasts. We have like tons and tons of content. We have 105 episodes that you can listen uh, to you can for listen free. To go back and, and, and listen to from the beginning. So there's a lot of stuff there. There's, we have PDF downloads. We have MP3 free downloads, free yeah. resources uh, galore. That's so all going to help there. build your faith and make you stronger in the season. And, um, and be sure to share the broadcast if you enjoyed it. And, um, there's, oh, yeah. And I wanted to say um, on thrivingonpurpose.com, you can sign up to our email list so that you don't miss our broadcasts. Uh, we can send you uh, the latest broadcast so you, you stay in uh, touch with us and know what's going on. So be blessed. And thrive on.